0: Thank Hello and welcome to this edition of our AWS podcast series, Innovation Ambassadors. I'm Sarah Armstrong, and as Senior Manager for Worldwide Prototyping at AWS, along with my AWS co-hosts from around the world, we'll act as your ambassadors to some of the most interesting engagements with our AWS Solutions Architecture prototyping teams. Every episode, we provide you with a roadmap to innovation and technology solutions. We're so glad you joined us on this journey. In this episode of Innovation Ambassadors, we're showcasing the journey of Montu, a global company based in Wellington, New Zealand, that provides a leading decision science and actuarial automation platform for life and health insurers. We'll learn how Montu worked with our AWS prototyping team to architect a scalable and configurable platform based on serverless technology to simplify the actuarial model replication process, increase transparency, and bring the power of cloud technologies into the hands of expert actuaries. I'd like to welcome to the studio Klaas Stinen, Chief Product Officer and Co-Founder of Montu. Thanks for joining us Klaas.
1: Thanks Sarah and uh, thanks for inviting me um, onto this podcast.
0: And from AWS we have Chitra Krita, Engagement Manager from our prototyping team in Australia. Always nice to talk to you Chitra.
2: Thank you Sarah, great to be here. So class for our global audience,
0: can you tell us a little bit about Montu?
1: Montu is what we call the decision science and actuarial automation company for life and health insurers. So your next question might be, what does that mean? I'm sure we'll get into the detail of this, but at the highest level, we basically help life and and health insurers to reduce cost through automation, as well as related data science workflows and improve their bottom line through better decision making set the stage
0: a little bit for us about the sort of state of actuarial science in the world today?
1: It's a great question and something that we keep ourselves busy with on a day-to-day basis. It's useful just to give a little bit of history here. And about 25 years ago, I'd say life insurance, health insurance were way ahead of many other industries as they had embarked on a technological journey. They were some of the first industries to have customer lifetime projection models, you know, that would give them a value for a customer. And that was enviable, you know. So, a lot of other industries wanted that too. And they were the first to do that. Since then, they're still actually using exactly the same kind of technology, which means like you could call it legacy technology. And they've racked up an enormous amount of technical debt. And There's a perfect storm brewing we see in life and health insurance because what is happening, they have not only racked up an enormous amount of technical debt, the industry is also going through an expense management cycle. So there's pressure on all teams and all departments and all functions of life insurance just to reduce, to automate. But also not only to automate, also just to make better decisions and increase ROI that way. And it's something that is a real problem for actuarial teams, because they are so stretched with the heavily manual processes that they've got. They've actually got no capacity to automate. And that's probably one of the key problems that Chitra and I started talking about.
0: So tell us a little bit about this vision that you're going to use cloud technology to help with this issue.
1: Actuaries, when they are being asked to migrate off legacy technology, they're generally quite excited about it, but also very fearful because it's a six to 12-month journey. It's very, very, very manual. So they say like, look, I really want to get rid of this legacy technology. We just do not have the resourcing for it because there's also a massive skill shortage. And it's only getting worse because there's competing professions like data science and computer science that are getting more and more popular and actually drawing expertise away from the profession especially at the graduate level. So essentially they're saying it's a good idea, but it's the classic how do you resolve technical debt problem. So the real problem that we needed to solve was one of migration. And the technical vision that we had for that was to, and this was extremely high level, was to say, like, well, if you look at a process that a migration involves, it's all about moving data from A to B, input and output data, and then figuring out what, all of the maths is, you know, that is executed by the black box. And because it's a black box, you kind of go through an informed guessing process, which is a highly iterative process. Moving the data already takes about a month, but then it's typically six or seven or eight or nine to 12 months of iteratively changing a model and seeing whether you get closer to replicating the black box. And when I looked at that process, Essentially, it seemed it seemed like a process that essentially what actually are doing is executing an algorithm, and an algorithm you can build. So when the AWS team in Australia basically asked us, "Do you have a very hairy problem that will have a massive impact?" Uh, that one came to mind and said, so "Like, well, look, if we can build a system that really helps machine-human teaming." make the best use of actuaries possible using their skills, the thing that they trained for all of these years, because they go through a lot of professional education on top of university degrees and basically get rid of all of the manual tasks that can be automated, then that would be fantastic. And I believe that some sort of AI is part of the solution here. So that was, in essence, the super high level technical vision for that.
0: I think that'll resonate with a lot of our customers, the technical debt, skills shortage, highly complex and specialized systems that are already in place and need to stay in place. But how do you address that? So, Chitra, that was quite a challenge for your team as you come in and work with Class and his organization in a very constrained time frame. Tell us a little bit about what your approach was.
2: Absolutely. I think when class reached out to us with this opportunity, it was really ambitious, but also really exciting. So we kicked off our engagement in Discovery, didn't we, class? We spent quite a bit of time just with class and his team, deeply understanding the problem space, the workflows, and really where we could help de-risk and accelerate their innovation. We build a whole lot of empathy for the mental load and that manual work that class was talking about. And I think that really gave us some sense that we need to help actuaries to save that time and to remove that mental capacity. So, we thought big we bounced a lot of ideas, explored many options with class and his team, and together we honed in on some prototyping goals. Our first goal was to reduce the manual effort and time involved so that actuaries can quickly and cost-effectively replicate and validate actuarial models. Our second goal was to provide transparency on model changes so that actuaries can gain confidence in those model outputs without needing to spend a whole lot of mental capacity, understanding all of those models and keeping it all in their heads. That
0: was an important aspect for you, class.
1: Absolutely. It's basically a way to visualize the mental load is by counting the number of clicks that you're away, that you remove yourself from your goal. And if... You know, you, for instance, are 10 clicks away from your mental goal, then the mental load is a lot harder because you have to continuously remember how you got back to Mm -hmm. to your path. And that's also where workflow automation plays a really big part. So to me, it's like one of the big aha moments when working with Chitra and the team was actually when we realized that, yes, AI is a big part of the solution. The other is to reduce the mental load, which comes back to creating a number of workflow tools and widgets. You don't have to click away from the screen that tells you whether you're moving closer to your goal or not. You can have all of the information all on one page, so you don't have to memorize that much, which means that you can dedicate your mental capacity to solving the problem, rather than memorizing a lot of context. So that that was quite a substantial aha moment for us, and... We've also, you know, after this exercise that we'll get to that, we've basically taken our approach that we jointly developed to um, a number of customers that we have. And they all said The same aha moment wasn't, you know, started happening with those customers as well because they actually didn't realize that this process. Yeah, because they've been going through the process for 25 years and you just don't think about it anymore.
0: Yeah, you just start to internalize it and just think that's the only way.
1: Yeah, it's a habit. And who thinks about changing a habit? It's not you know, what we typically do. That was extremely helpful in identifying, you know, what is the path forward to making this reality.
0: So Chitra, take us through a little bit of the architecture. How did we set up so that we'd be ready to help Class and team scale this out to customers around the world, right?
2: When we began to build the prototype, we had weekly touch points with Class and his team just to make sure that we were keeping a pulse on delivering value to Montu. We, as you know, Sarah, we move at velocity over six weeks with rapid iterations of experiments and learnings. And so these touch points were really important for us in early SYNC, we learned about some of the most time-consuming parts of an actuary's workflow that class was talking about. And we realized that we wanted to double down on them to reduce some of those undifferentiated heavy lifting as much as possible. And so we set about building a web interface. We used the North Star design framework to make it really simple for actuaries to do their jobs. An example of that was we made sure that actuaries could actually easily map and configure the many different legacy model structures to the Montu model structure, which previously they would have had to have done it manually. We also made some of those model changes transparent to actuaries by storing them in Amazon DynamoDB. This helped them build that trust and easily find areas for further investigation. And in parallel to that, we used AWS Lambda and AWS Step Functions to fan out and scale model replication runs with many different assumptions in a fraction of time. And this saved wait time for actuaries and made the actuarial modeling process more reliable.
1: That is a great example of just time-saving. One thing to share with the audience is that when actuaries run a model, it can take half an hour, it can take eight hours, it can take 24 hours. And essentially, you go through a process, this iterative process of making a mathematical change, run it again. Making a mathematical change, run it again. If that cycle takes two minutes, your productivity shoots up. So this made us realize that actually the architecture that we've been building, the execution architecture that we've been building with AWS was even more important than we thought. You know, using the lambdas and using very elastic and scalable compute is even more important than we thought. And actually, it is key to creating that 80% reduction in time required to replicate models, which is essentially what we're aiming for.
0: So the actuaries get that much faster response time and can iterate faster because they're not then having to go think about something else. They can continue their thought process right away.
1: Yeah, so essentially what you want, you want to reduce the cycle time, which is where the runtime as well as the widgets come in. Right. And you want to reduce the number of iterations. If you do both, then you can have a very significant reduction in total time you require to actually replicate a model. And in terms of the number of iterations, that's where the AI comes in. Because essentially, the vision that we've been working on with Chitra and the team and teammate that helped us to get much closer to reality on that one was to say like, well, you know, An actuarial model has got all of these different kind of relatively standard functions, but there's like so many ways you can parameterize those. And essentially, as an actuary, you're just going to have to try quite a few different combinations of how you parameterize that to goal seek your way towards replication. And that is something that a machine could do for you. An actuary can then look at the answer and say, like, this makes complete sense to me. Or actually that configuration, given the type of company you are, given the type of product, given the, whatever the context is, does not quite make sense to me. I'm actually going to have to have a conversation here about whether this might actually be an error or not, or might be something that we might even want to improve on, which is much closer to the core skill of an actuary.
0: We often talk about what went wrong when you're doing innovation, when you're experimenting with new techniques. Often things don't go exactly as you thought it would in the beginning. Was there something like that here?
1: When we started working with Chitra and the team, they actually took a step back and, as you said, built a lot of empathy for the situation, you know, and the context and the work that actors do. And I think if we wouldn't have done that, we would have approached the problem the wrong way. We would have made some gains, but we wouldn't have the clarity that we've got today. So I can't actually point to a massive error. I can actually point to a number of instances in the process where we avoided going off the right track, which is all credit to the process that we went through with Chitra and the team and asking why not, not one, not two, not three, but probably five times before that clarity was on the table, which actually really helped us as I said before, because we've been doing this for years and. Customers look at us as experts about, you know, what is actually doing, what's the process, and how can we improve that. But it's really helpful if someone who is not that intimate with the problem goes and asks a whole lot of good questions. So you start realizing things about the process that just like do not make sense in the year 2021. Klaus,
0: where are we now? You've got the foundation laid here, and you mentioned that you've even taken that out to some of your customers.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty exciting time, actually. Just to take a step back. Uh, We went through this process April, May of this year, which is when we were building out some of the foundations of our next generation platform. And it made us realize how important certain aspects were of that platform and some others maybe a bit lesser. So it helped us steer actually the core. It helped us build the platform back better, you could say. So we've got most of that done now. And we're really so the core capabilities are there. And so we're actually ready to start productizing this. And you would actually ask like, "Why didn't you do, you know, why did you do it so early then? That was actually part of the plan because we knew it was going to take us a bit of time to also socialize this and get to the bottom of it with our customers and make sure they were understanding whether the approach is going to work, but also what the use cases are of this, because we also realized that model replication is a means to an end, but what end? And there's so many ends. And spending quite a bit of time with the industry, we understood there were actually a number of use cases for the switches. Very helpful. We also asked a lot of our customers who are very interested in this, saying, like, how much do you expect? How much time do you expect to save? Because we had a number in our head, but that's just our estimate. And you don't want to rely on your own assumptions too heavy. So the industry consistently told us, it sounds like if you could do all of that, we could save 80 to 90% of our time. You know, we could turn a six-month process into one or two weeks. And that would enable that thing that we've wanted to do for so many years get rid of all of these manual processes, which is a lot more important now than say two or three years ago or 15 years ago, because now we've got that perfect storm brewing of having to reduce costs, but also improve insights and make better strategic decisions. So we believe that this is going to change the actuarial function quite significantly. We've actually had one, one customer saying he's leading quite a big team and Apparently he took the idea back to his team and one of the younger actuaries said, but you're going to do me out of a job. He said, almost right but wrong. I'm going to do you out of your current job and I'm going to put you in a much better job. And this is how actuaries are actually looking at it more and more because they have the pressure, they have to do something and they also start to have to do more and more, picking up more and more of the manual work because actually a lot of junior actuaries are saying, I'm gonna do data science, thank you very much, because then I don't have to do so much manual work. And so it, it just comes at a really good time and actuaries are being very receptive to automating a lot of their work. They're realizing that it's a good idea and the time is, the time is now.
0: So exciting. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us. And as we sign off here, I'm wondering if you have any insights or reflections that you'd like to share with our audience and other businesses that might be undertaking this kind of transformation journey with their own end customers.
1: The reason why I brought this specific problem forward is because we just couldn't get to the right prototype ourselves. We tried, but it also needed some very dedicated time, which we didn't have. And we also just felt like we were missing something. It's a very complex problem. And we've got some really smart people, but we just felt like we were missing something. And I think just getting this external perspective and especially the deep learning expertise was extremely helpful. One of the key realizations out of all of this for me that really steered the platform into a better direction, the next generation, was that we have to enable our customers to pull the platform into their environment rather than having to push their own information into an external environment. When you feel that it's an extremely important problem, it's complex in nature. You just feel like you just can't find the starting point. Then you know that there's an incredible amount to learn and getting a team like Chitra's on board can just accelerate the whole process by months and months and save you many developer months and years potentially.
0: How about you, Chitra? What was your takeaway?
2: I share a very similar takeaway to class there. I think often problems and opportunities can seem large and, and complex as, as class was saying to solve. And so My takeaway was not to be afraid of just breaking some of those big problems and opportunities down into the smallest, riskiest assumptions that you can test and learn more from. And then prototype, go through each step, test it with users, test it internally, validate feasibility, and deliver something that really adds value to the end users.
0: Well, class, Chitra, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey with us.
2: Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah.
0: I'd like to thank our listeners for coming on today's journey with us. Innovation Ambassadors is a production of the AWS Media Series. Look for future episodes of our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite streaming platform. If you have ideas for future episodes or comments on this one, send us a tweet at hashtag AWSInnovationAmbassadors and share your thoughts. Thank you.